Malta in itself is quite the mystery. It covers only 316 square kilometers and the largest island is 27 kilometers long. So the sheer volume of megalithic monuments discovered so far is quite impressive. Remains of more than 30 temples have been found over the last 200 years and some of the most intact ones are now designated as UNESCO World Heritage Sites. I've marked most of the known and extant ones on the Google Earth map shown on the screen. There are also dolmens, menhirs and various other scattered megaliths as well as hundreds of cart ruts that are ancient, man-made but very mysterious. All of the temples follow a similar apsidal form, which is unique to the islands. Kind of like the apse you see at the end of a church or a basilica, except the temples are composed entirely of these semicircular shapes. Some of the megalithic architecture is reminiscent of structures in other regions, but overall the temple people of the Maltese islands had a very distinct culture. We know quite a lot about the temple people, and yet... As with all the other megalith building groups of ancient times, there's still so much we don't understand about them. I've been to many of the sites multiple times and have read lots of research in books and journals. So in this video series, I want to mention some of the more unusual things about the temple period that might not be so well known. A lot of the information comes from the monographs of the Fraxus project excavations, which took place from 2013 to 2018. Sources and links are in the video description below. So let's start with Tarshian. The Tarshian complex has the remains of four temples, all built at different times. It's the only site to have a six-apse temple, which is the most recent one. One of the most intriguing things about the Tarshian temples is this 1.5 meter deep and totally empty pit. Well, it's not empty these days because visitors keep chucking cash in there like a wishing well or something. Um, but it was originally covered with a stone plug, which in turn was covered with a torba floor, making it pretty inaccessible. If it didn't need to be used regularly, then why carve a neat, lightweight, remo removable stone plug? And why was it empty? Maybe it was used for storage before the temple was built and then the temple builders didn't need it anymore. Nobody actually knows. Now, many of the temples have what's been referred to for a long time as libation holes. These are nearly always at the entrance to a temple or an apse within the building, and there tends to be quite a few together. You can see from the photographs they're filled with dirt and vegetation these days. They're called libation holes because it's thought they were receptacles for people pouring liquid offerings in some sort of ritual before entering the temple or the apse. But in the temple places monographed by the Fraxus project, the idea was put forward that maybe they held wooden stakes for displaying animal schools as part of ritual feasting. Animal bones, vessels and tools seem to show that feasting was an integral part of life within the temples and there was probably some sort of sacrificial ritual beforehand as well, possibly outside of the sacred precincts. That said, in my opinion, it may have been quite hard to navigate deep holes or wooden stakes, whichever theory you think might be the, the truth, when entering the narrow doorways of the temples and apses. Um, I, I cannot imagine how a person of, of any size really could navigate those very narrow corridors going around wooden stakes or skipping over holes. So I think that there could be a use entirely different to those theories that we, we simply don't know about. Um, so I'd like to have a, have a bit more of a think on that and see if there's any other theories out there. At the Tahagrat and 
Tartian temples, there are rather curious stairways that don't seem to go anywhere. The temples aren't thought to have had a second level, but they may have had roofs, which are now long gone. So it could be that the stairways went to the roofs for a practical reason, like fixing the roof or, or for something else, maybe viewing the stars. Um, the idea of them having had roofs is based on a few things. Firstly, some of the more intact walls are built with corbelling, which causes them to curve inwards towards the top. Secondly, a carving at Nydra depicts a temple with a roof. Of course, the carving might not be contemporary with the temples, but if it was, then it's expected it was an accurate reflection and, and not some sort of artistic indulgence. Thirdly, a statuette excavated from Tahagrat is a tiny model of a temple and it has a roof. Personally, I think they were probably partially roofed, but with an oculus, like what you see in the Pantheon in Rome or the Dragon Houses of Evia. There's no exact evidence for that, but since there are hearths and burn marks in various parts of each temple, it would make sense if there was an outlet for the smoke. And since our ancestors seemed to be drawn to astronomy, an oculus also means the night sky could have been viewed from inside. There's a few interesting things about the megalithic temple of Santa Verna. It's in the village of Shara on Gozo, not far from the necropolis known as the Shara Stone Circle and the Jerkantia complex. It's called Santa Verna because of a medieval church that was built over the site. Now there's not much of it left, just part of a facade with a stone bench in front of it, which is typical of the Maltese temples, and a few stone blocks in the rest of the field. The latest dating evidence puts it back to 3800 BCE, which as far as I know makes it the oldest temple excavated so far on the islands. Before the megalithic era, as with other sites, or various other sites, it was also um, a, the place where an earlier Neolithic domestic village was established. But it's not clear if the farmers who started that village and the temple people were connected, it may have sat empty for some time hundreds of years. Uh, during excavations by the Fraxus project, a small polygonal wall was discovered underneath the foundation of one of the apses. This is weird because it cannot be seen above ground and it doesn't seem to have served a structural purpose. So it's been suggested that it was ritualistic, maybe to do with the establishment of the temple. Another strange thing about Santa Verona is that snail figurines were found in the walls, which brings up quite a few questions. Why snails? And why embed them in the walls where no one can see them? A bit like the underground polygonal wall. It's thought they could have been deposited in some sort of ritual during the erection of the temple, kind of like foundation stone ceremonies or burying artifacts under the threshold of a house for good luck, which are common to many later cultures. But the relevance of the snail is a little bit harder to figure out. In a similar way, at the entrance to the oldest temple at Gigantia, also in Shara in Gozo, there is a monumental threshold slab which was excavated in 1933. Underneath it, the archaeologists found pottery sherds, a bowl containing, containing 158 seashells, and the horn of a bull. So it was seen that these deposits were something to do with rituals around the foundation of the temple as well. Nearly all the temple sites in Malta are made out of multiple structures. For example, Gigantia has two temples, Tarshien has four, Hajaim has three. Excavations have shown that such temple sites evolved over time. 
um, adding axes and additional structures. This may have been due to a growing population or for some other reason. But what's also interesting is that aside from complexes having multiple temple structures, they are nearly always 500 meters to two kilometers away from other similar sites. Why didn't they just build them all in the same place? Was it to do with a sacred landscape or complicated astronomical alignments? Was it to do with natural resources? Or maybe there were different communities that wanted to be separate but somehow interconnected. Or perhaps each site was dedicated to a different deity. Where a site is pretty much alone, it's probably because its neighbouring temples haven't been discovered yet or have been destroyed. I've listed some of the clusters. Um, in the Marsashlok Berzebruja area, there's Shrub Lajin, which isn't accessible for safety reasons since it sits on an undercooked cliff. Tassilj is a little of the way inland from there, and it's an awesome archaeological site with megalithic, Phoenician, Punic, Roman, and Byzantine remains. Even further inland on the way to Zaytun is Hal Jinwi, which is on private land and inaccessible, but from what I've read, it's just a, a few megalith megalithic blocks that remain. Then further south on a plateau overlooking the sea is Borjan Nadur, which was also reused in the Bronze Age as a defensive village. The famous sites of Hajar-in and Amnidra are 500 meters apart and are close to Rendi and Zuria. Then traveling to the north, you can find the Tal Adi temple near Selina Bay. It's on private land, but you can see quite a few of the megaliths from the road. In the middle of the Dolmen Hotel complex in Brujaba, a little bit further north, are the remains of a temple, which is about two kilometers from Tal Adi. In the Paola and Tarshien area, there are several really good sites, all within a few square kilometers. The House Safliani Hypogeum is an underground megalithic complex, which was probably used as both a temple and a necropolis during the time it was active. The Tarshian temples close by I mentioned earlier. Cordin III has some unusual features not found at other sites, like a cobbled forecourt and the Santa Lucia Hypogeum to the south. Um, it's further south than the more famous one of House Safliani, and it's a lot smaller, and it's only been partially excavated. It's not open to the public, but I'm sure there's so much more to be found within it. Then, Tahagrat and Skorba are also close together in the village of Mjar. Tahagrat is in better condition, but Skorba also has the remains of an early Neolithic domestic settlement and shrine, which makes it an incredibly important archaeological site. In Gozo, the Shara Plateau is full of scattered megaliths, as well as the sites mentioned. The UNESCO World Heritage Site of Gigantia sits to the east of the Shara Stone Circle Necropolis, and the Santa Verna Temple sits in a field to the west. In Ein Selim, the Lim Reisbeet stone circular megalithic remains of Borj Larib are on opposite sides of the same road and very close. They are on private land but can be easily seen from the road. There are two temples in Gozo which aren't part of known clusters. Tamarzina is to the south of Victoria on the way to Munsha, and although it's mentioned on various tourist websites, it seems to be on private land, so I haven't managed to visit it. Uh, Borj Limrama is on the Tachench Plateau in Sanat. There isn't much left of it but it's an interesting landscape with dolmens and carrots in the area as well. I hope you enjoyed that. There are many more mysteries to explore and discuss. Please subscribe to this channel, follow me on Instagram for more content, and do take a quick look at my website.